Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his grand circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I wanted to give some updates on things that I see happening around the Disney company and more specifically around the Walt Disney World Resort. Look, we don't have any answers on what's going to happen as far as the Disney company goes or Walt Disney World, but we can make some educated guesses on some of the things that we see around it and some of the things that we know. We've also heard some things from the company that give us some indicators on what's going to happen. So given all of that stuff, we can make some uh, sort of general guesses and sort of hypothesize about what might happen as a result of that. Now, in this podcast, I'm actually not going to play any other audio for you. I'm just going to talk about this topic and then move on from there, and that'll be my weekly update. So every week, I'm trying to provide you something, uh, some information about Disney World, maybe play something fun to keep you in the spirit of Disney now that they're closed for you know just over a month. Hopefully, this is kind of fun and you're enjoying it. Look, I'm going to try and keep it up for as long as I can. I don't have much to do at home either, so... I'll keep doing something. I may not provide context all the time. I may just give you some updates or just tell you something or maybe play some audio. Just keep it fun. Uh, Keep it light if I can. Now, on this podcast, it's maybe not quite as light because there's more to talk about and there's some things happening. We're dealing with a global pandemic here, and this is something that affects everyone around the world. We know that it started or we believe that it started somewhere in China sometime in maybe December. And now we have indicators that it probably was in the United States as early as February. Uh, The state of Florida um, had announced that there was a number of different cases of pneumonia that uh, were reported in sometime in mid-February that were unexpected. It was above the usual number that you'd see, and there were pneumonia deaths. And now they're realizing that those deaths were most likely caused by the COVID-19. So now we have a better understanding of what, what was going on, but it looks like it's been here for longer than we knew which makes this more interesting. Now, the problem with this particular virus is that it affects everyone. It doesn't matter where you live, what you do, anything about you. Now, there may be some health conditions and age may play a factor in it, but overall, anyone can be infected by it. And the problem is we have no antibodies for it in our own bodies, so we can't build up an immunity toward it. There is no immunity, and at this point, there's no vaccine. So if you go around and you, um, one person has it, and they come into contact with other people in a group, and I think they said the group, has, group size has to be like 10 or so, that one person could then give it to three people. And those three people, none of the four, the one that gave it to them and the three other people, none of them may show symptoms. Some of them may, none of them may. But in any case, the uh, symptoms, then you, you may not have symptoms, but the, the virus will then be carried in those three people. And those three people, the next time they come into contact with 10 people, would spread to three people and so on and so on and so on. So it, could, it, it escalates very quickly when we're out in public. And that's why they're trying to do this thing with having uh, social distancing to keep us away from each other. Now, flattening the curve was one part of it. 
that we could do to try and help ourselves to make sure that we don't uh, continue the spread. But that's not the only thing. The problem is this virus, this disease, will continue on regardless. What we want to try and do is minimize the exposure to try and help uh, mitigate how fast it spreads. But it's not going away. It's not going to magically disappear until there's a vaccine. And the vaccine still may be many months off. We may not see one until next year sometime. So we have to consider that very carefully when we think about this, that just because they're going to start loosening some of the social distancing restrictions in some communities, it doesn't mean that this is going to go away. In fact, as you think about this, there's the potential for a downside here of people just say, okay, now you've loosened it, I'm going to go out in public and I'm going to go hang out with my friends and do whatever, or we should have you know, sporting events and do this, or we should go back to Disney World. There's still the very real risk that that will spread even further and they'll have a flare up and it could then become a big problem again. So we have to tread very carefully. So this is why the Disney company is watching this very carefully and trying to make decisions that are educated decisions based on what they know. Now, leadership in this country at the federal level and our state level, I would say California might be a little different, is a little maybe not as good as it could be. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. I'm not going to get into it. But I think there could be more that we could be doing to try and help stem this. You know, there's a funny thing that happens, and I'm just going to say this for a second here. With us as Americans, we like to, we have a great sense of pride in our country and the things that we have and how we're different from everybody else. And sometimes it's a very positive thing and we can do some great things. And if we could turn that energy into how do we fight this virus? How do we protect ourselves? How do we do this more efficiently? If we start turning our energy toward that rather than saying, hey, we just want to go back to the way life was, we'd be much better off. So that's just my two cents on it. Now, the reality of it all. We, we know that over time, these things, anything that impacts our society to a large degree, what, whatever it is, whether it was the, uh, the 9-11 or whether it was the financial crisis or whether it was the, one of the great world wars or if it was the uh, Depre- Great Depression, the great stock market crash. Every time one of these events happens, things change. Whether it's new security systems, whether it's some other thing that happens, whatever it is, there's always something that changes. So I think it's safe to say that our society, we can't return to what we knew before. Things will continue to be different and we will live in a different society than we did before. It can be very similar to what we had before, but I think it's gonna be different. And I think in many ways, um, you know, it, it moves the needle on a lot of things. If you think about the fact that we have more people working at home now, you've sent people home to work. We've proven that we can do that. So why do we always need to be in an office? Why do we work that way? We've worked that way for the last you know, 30 to 40 years in, in an office the way we've been doing it. Now it's maybe time to evolve and think about it differently because maybe we don't need to be in offices. Students are in school and they sit in a classroom and they do whatever. Now they're home, being home educated um, through distance learning. It, I'm not saying that grade school and middle school and so forth really should be homeschooled all the time like that. But what if there was a different rotational thing we did where they were home some of the time and in classroom some of the time? The social aspect of it can't be overlooked. But what if we changed the paradigm on the way we thought about our education system? Those things could happen and may happen for all we know. And then you look across society and there's going to be some companies that are going to go out of business as a result of this. And it's unfortunate, but maybe other companies step in to fill a different need. So there's, you know, there's some positives that can come from this too. And also one last thing on this particular topic. If you look at, I'll use the uh, stock market crash of 1929 as as an example. That happened on one Monday. 
but the effects of it weren't felt for many weeks or maybe even a month afterwards. So people, you know, saw it and said, oh, okay, yeah, that happened. And then the unemployment started and then other things started and then things were taking place. And then we started to feel the, the effects of it. So sometimes these things, it takes a while for us to really understand the impacts and what happened. So I think in this case, that's going to be the same thing. We're, we're starting to see it, but I can't believe that we'll be going back to what we call normal or similar to what we were doing before. I think it's going to change. It's going to change in some way. It's just a question of how much it changes. So circling around to the Disney company, this is where this podcast is all about, right? Maybe I give you a little bit of something there to understand or help you a little bit. Um, as we circle around to the Disney company, we can think about the things that they do. And if you look at their, uh, their big picture, they have three major entities. They have the, uh, the media business, the sports business, and the theme park business. And it's a very complex business that's got a lot of hands, tentacles out in different things. But all three of these are directly impacted by this particular virus. And so the company on the whole really has a big thing to take on because of this, because all three major areas that they focus on are impacted. It really does have an effect. So on the, on the broader scheme, in the grand scheme of things, if you look at it, you know, uh, Bob Iger stepped down and uh, everyone questioned, oh, he's stepping down. Maybe he knew something, whatever. But he was smart enough to realize that his legacy is now tainted and he wanted to make sure that he had a better legacy left behind. So he actually stepped back into the company and said, look, I want to help you. I want to help the company succeed through this time and actually gave up the bonuses that he was owed back to the company and then started to uh, look to help the company. So he's been running the company, in effect, um, with Bob Chapek's blessing to continue to run the company for now. He's, still, he's not the CEO, he's the chairman of the board, and he's got some other consulting role or some, something specific, but he's still running the company day to day right now. And they're using their video conferencing software and talking to each other and trying to figure out what the best solutions are. So I give him a lot of credit for coming back into the company and saying, I want to help because this was, you know, this is a problem and I want the company to succeed. I don't want my legacy, legacy to be that I did great things and then I stepped away in the moment of, you know, one of the greatest things to ever impact the company. No, no, no. And so he decided to do uh, the right thing and step back in. So he's, he's running a lot of things right now. So he's very involved day to day and he's given a lot of updates and he's talked to a lot of different media outlets and said a lot of things. So we have a better understanding of what's going on. So let's go through the three major areas and kind of give a little set the stage for what's happening there. We'll start with the media business. Media business is really difficult. It's the smallest of the three, so we'll, we'll, we'll start there. It's, it's difficult to kind of assess what's happening because, you know, they make movies and the movies are not being released right now. And now they're not making any movies. And they make TV shows and the TV shows, they're all, they're all out of production now. So they'll, they're not any, there's not anything new being made there. Movie theaters themselves are closed, so you can't distribute movies anyway. Um, one of the major studios, it wasn't Disney, decided to release one of their uh, new movies to direct to uh, streaming and decided to say, oh, we're just going to get it out there now anyway, rather than putting it out in a movie theater, waiting six months, we'll just put it out now. So there's a new model there potentially for how movies may come out rather than going to the movie theater. We don't know if that's going to be the case or what's going to happen. Disney and other companies have already said, hey, we don't know if we're going to, when the movie theaters open back up, we don't know if we're going to be putting our movies directly out to the movie theaters or if we're going to wait and uh, put them out later in the year when people start returning to the theaters because it's entirely possible that early on people won't come to the theaters because it's kind of a, a hit or miss thing for the early part of it. Theaters are a place where more than 10 people congregate and you're sitting in a, in a darkened room for two hours. So there's the potential to spread the virus again. Some theater chains 
are not sure what their future is going to hold either. AMC was already struggling with their financial picture, and it looks like their stock has been downgraded, and it looks like there's a possibility they may file for bankruptcy protection in the not-too-distant future just to make sure that they don't uh, find themselves in a tough, very tough spot. They're going to be in a tough spot anyway. Movie theaters in general, they make their money. They, the money they make uh, from the ticket sales pays for the movie. Essentially, they're renting the movie from the studio to show it. So that, that money goes there. Where they make their money is on concessions. So uh, any money that they make is going to be from the concessions they sell. Being closed, that costs them something because they can't pay their rent. They can't pay their, uh, their electric bill because there's always an electric bill and so forth. So those things are kind of a problem for, for companies. So how this all fits in with Disney... Disney may decide, you know what, we're just going to go direct to streaming and, and start doing more things. Hulu uh, itself is doing pretty well, and Hulu I like. I, I enjoy using it. Uh, you get a lot of content there and do a lot of things. Disney Plus, on the other hand, I'm not such a fan of. And there's a funny thing that's happened there. I noticed there's some interesting things that are going on with some uh, light sort of censoring that's happening. So when you look at some of the films, I'll take Splash was the one that came up as a recent example. There's a scene near the end of the film where Daryl Hannah jumps in the water again and you see her butt. Disney decided to blur that out in the streaming version of it that they have there. So they've effectively edited the film and censored it a little bit. I talked before about how the uh, A New Hope has the different scene in there with Greedo saying uh, McClunky just before uh, Han shoots him. And Disney says that that was a uh, George Lucas thing, not a them thing. But in any case... It's something else that was edited into the movie and changed. Some of the Simpsons episodes, they've made decisions to edit those slightly uh, to be a little bit more within the bounds of what they want to have. Uh, I believe there was an episode with Michael Jackson who appeared in it, and they will not show that episode anymore. I believe also they've taken the one with the uh, Twin Towers in New York out of the out of the rotation as well. That was out of the rotation after 9-11 came back in for a short time, and now that Disney owns it, I believe that they're not showing it. So those kinds of things, there's some censoring going on there. And that's a little bit troubling in the streaming sense that you're not seeing the movie the way it was originally intended, or the TV show the way it was originally intended. And I understand it, but it's kind of troubling in a way. It's just kind of this weird mix. It's this delicate balance where you have to decide what's right. So Disney's making decisions there based on what they think is right, based on what the climate is, but I don't know if that's the right thing or not. So Disney has their work cut out for them in the, uh, in the media sense because they've, they're going to be hold on, holding off on movies that are released. They have a couple that are completed, but they don't know when they're going to release them to the theaters or even if they will release them to theaters or if they'll just put them direct to uh, streaming. It's unclear at this point how that's going to work, and they have to figure that out. The middle entity in Disney's trifecta there is their sports group, and the sports group has a, another interesting problem ahead of it. ESPN is their flagship station. It's the one everybody knows when they talk about sports. They've already asked all of their hosts and their on-air talent to take a pay cut. They want them to continue being on-air, but at their homes instead of at their normal studios, and doing the production work but getting paid less for it, which they agree to because it's part of the, part of the deal. And they may be making deals with them to make them whole later, I don't know, but for the moment, they're taking pay cuts. ESPN, for its part has a big problem because the main thing they do is televise sports. So in televising sports, the sports piece of it means that you're paying big licensing fees to these 
big leagues, whoever they are, whether it's the NFL or college football or whoever, they're paying all this money into it to broadcast games. So now there's no games to broadcast. They have no advertising dollars to back up that money that they've already spent because you pay the licensing fees up front, the the broadcasting fees. You pay those in advance. So they've already put that money down and now they have no money coming in because there's no advertising. Tell me the last time you turned on ESPN. I know I haven't turned it on in probably three or four weeks now. And the last time I turned it on was just to see maybe a 30 for 30 or something that was on. I don't remember now exactly, but that's it. I haven't watched ESPN in a while now. So given that, they have no revenue coming in. There's no real revenue stream there. And because they've already paid all this money out, they have a problem. Now, I also have heard that there was a story about ESPN... Fox Sports, MSNBC, I'm sorry, NBC Sports and CBS Sports all having their discussions with the advertising groups and the major sports networks, uh, sports teams, uh, leagues. So the NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball and so forth to kind of be reassuring both ways that they were they are going to work something out one way or another or there may be some payment back of some of these licensing and, and television fees. So they've got to figure all that out. And if sports teams decide to play in different venues or different places, what would the ratings look like? How's that going to impact ESPN? What are they going to get back out of it? All of those things have to be figured out because they're bleeding money right now because they do, they're only paying out for the broadcasters, but they've already paid a lot of money up front where they were trying to get money back from advertising that they're not getting right now. So all of those things kind of go in a big circle and it's not clear how Disney is going to come out on this or any of the sports networks for that matter because it's not clear when there will be sports again. Now, I did hear that the NCAA had a discussion uh, that they have no intention of coming back until well after the universities announce when they're going to come back. So most universities around the country, if you're unaware, have closed and say they're going to stay closed through the summer, which means that, for especially for college football, which is the biggest moneymaker of all, there will be no college football starting in September because if you don't reopen until September, you still need six weeks to get your kids in, to, in there, get the program together and get everything running. So you're looking at you know six weeks worth of time to get everything going, which would mean you'd be in October or November before you'd even get started. So, you know, it's, it's a big challenge here for the, uh, for the um, college football to figure out how they're going to get things going. Now, I realize that a lot of states want to get this going. There's uh, government officials who want to get uh, football going, especially college football. But I don't know if it's going to work out that way. And I don't think anybody knows that. So Disney's got to hang on to ESPN for a while longer without spending, without having any income, but spending a little bit of money. So this is a big challenge. So that's, that's the second leg in their stool there, if you will. The third is theme parks. And that's the biggest one. That's the biggest animal. It includes vacation clubs. It includes theme parks. It includes all their resorts, cruise lines, and uh, some of the media properties that specifically relate back to uh, the theme parks, like the Disney uh, parks experience and stuff like that. So the those things are all part of this whole umbrella. The parks have now been closed for uh, just over a month, uh, and pretty much all the parks worldwide have been closed for that amount of time. I heard that Disney has been uh, losing about $30 million a day. And I think that's only domestically, so Disneyland and Walt Disney World. So they've had to take out a couple of loans. And it shows a lot that companies are still willing to loan Disney money because they have a good plan in place for how they'll get back up and running in general. And they believe in Disney and their ability to get back up and running. So 
I think when I look at it, that Disneyland and Walt Disney World will probably be on different timelines, maybe, but it's hard to say that for sure. But if they are on different timelines, the one thing you could say is they will probably run more or less the same overall in terms of what they'll do and how they'll get up and running, though they may do it at slightly different times. So there's a lot of things that are going to change at the resorts. And the first one is, obviously, you want to decrease the number of high touch points. So you don't want people touching the same things all the time. So one of the things they've talked about already is removing the uh, biometric scanner at the Walt Disney World Resort for any of the theme parks and instead going to a facial recognition thing that the other parks around the world all use. Disney World is the only one who uses the biometrics. So they would uh, they want to actually switch the uh, switch the the technology they're using there to go to the uh, the face scanner instead, which would mean you wouldn't have to put your finger on the on the uh, reader anymore. So that's fine, you know, they could do that if they want to. Um, that's uh, that would be interesting. They also were talking about having touchless places where there's a high congregation of people. So that would be like at the hotel check-in, there would be no more check-in with a person unless there was some exception that happened there. Instead, you would either uh, check in using the My Disney Experience, uh, I'm sorry, the My Disney Experience app. Yep, that's the one. You would either use that or you would go to a kiosk and actually touch on the kiosk to, to uh, check into the, to your room. So that way you would have basically a touchless thing. So you would have fewer people standing around waiting and you would have many kiosks that then you could touch and get into your, get into your room. Remember that your magic band or your phone is the, uh, is the way to get into the, uh, the room. So there's, you know, there's no need to have keys and do all of that stuff. They just need to basically check you in. So the, having a person there doing it is not necessarily important, but it's a nice to have. And when you think about it, if they don't need the people there, that means that they can eliminate a few jobs along the way. So that's positive for Disney, I guess. Uh, I guess. So interesting. And the other places in food service, when they talk about the quick service restaurants, if you re- think about the quick service restaurants, you go in and there's always this, um, this little uh, register where there's a person sitting on it in two lines. And the two lines go to either, she goes to either, he or she go to either side and just take orders. Now you're in a clump of people there and you've got the server right in front of you. What they're talking about is going to completely mobile ordering or in the case where you can't mobile order to have a kiosk there where you would order your food and then just walk to the window and pick it up. So you would have limited contact with other people and then you can go sit down and eat it. Now, how many people and you know where you would be able to eat and how many people will be in there? That's the next question and I'll get back to that in a minute. But you would have a means of getting people more quickly to somewhere and not having them interact as much with other people which is a positive thing, I guess. You still have to worry about the buses, the monorails, the, the uh, Skyway, and so forth. You have to worry about those things because there's still congregations of people going on there. They've talked about making some changes to having more buses running where they would have fewer people on the bus. Um, they've talked about you know, limiting the number of um, people that get into a monorail car, you know, kind of shortening it up that way, but how do you decrease your queues because people are standing in line waiting? So those things still need to be figured out. They have been working on some technology to improve on this, but I don't know where that's going to net out at this point. That's unclear how that's going to work because that's still a ways off. But in the short term, they'll have to figure out how to get people around where they want to go without being without having to get in the way or be around a lot of people. So then there's the question of the theme parks themselves. It seems like the only answer to the theme parks is to set up an experience, an environment where you do virtual queuing. 
And you would have to do virtual queuing in terms of entering the park as well. I think that's going to be an important part of it. That even getting into the park, they're going to have to limit the number of people that can get in, and they're going to give you a specific time that you can come into the park, and a limited number of people that can come in. And the reason I say this is twofold. The first is because I got an email from Disney the other day about my annual pass, and they were reminding me that I could take the money for what time period I have left on my pass. So I had about um, four months left on my pass when they closed. So I would get uh, basically a third of my money back uh, if I go ahead and just take the money, or they'll just extend me out to the date. And they were kind of hinting that they wanted to encourage me to uh, take the money. And I thought about that for a while, and I realized that the reason they want to do this, the reason that they're pushing people to take the money and walk away, is because they're trying to limit the number of people that are going to descend on the park at one time when they do reopen. If they have a fewer number of people holding passes, it's going to be easier to control access. A word on that. The state of Florida decided to open the beaches in Jacksonville. Why they opened the beaches in Jacksonville, I really don't know. They told people, hey, go, we'll give you some fresh air, you can walk around for a little while, whatever, but don't sunbathe, don't swim. Sounded nice, but what happened was people showed up in droves. Large number of people showed up on the beach and just were congregating with each other and hanging out and having fun and saw people playing volleyball. This is a problem. And Disney has to take this seriously because it's, a, it's like a harbinger of things to come for Disney. If they look at it and they say, hey, you know, all these people showed up when Jacksonville reopened its beaches, what's going to happen to us when we reopen? People are going to descend on us like crazy. So given that, I think the only answer for Disney is to say, hey, we're going to do these group reservation times. So if you're going to come to the park, you have to actually make a reservation. If you drive up and you don't have a reservation, sorry, you can't come in today. That's going to be the way it is for the short term. So they'll basically be allowing a limited number of people into the parks at any given time. And then I think they will do away with any of the queues, any of the standby lines, and you will basically have a return time. You will just pass. Everybody will have to have a fast pass to go on anything they want to go on. You will pass by and go into the, uh, go into the attraction you're going to go on and then be exited out. I don't believe there's going to be any shows, any fireworks, anything like that where it will cause people to congregate. I think they will uh, eliminate those temporarily. So they'll have to provide some value some other way for people because they have to find a way to make it work, right? So it's going to be this, this interesting little mix of things. Now, the other problem that Disney has, and one of the reasons they have to consider this carefully, is they've always been selling the Vacation Club properties. They've been selling them like crazy. They've sold really, really well, and there's a lot of people that own into them. So they, everybody has some number of points they have to use every year. There's some things you can do with banking and some things, but there's expirations on points. So at some points, the points you have in your portfolio do expire. So some of them, may have, people may have had reservations for this time period that the park is closed, or maybe not, and they have to figure out how they're going to do it. So they're going to have to extend people's expiration dates. There's no question they're going to do that. But then the number of units that they'll have available is kind of a, a funny thing. So if you had 100 rooms available, and you basically have 52 weeks in a year, you have 5,200 rooms you still only have 5,200 rooms worth of inventory. And if they're completely booked from, say, August through December, you have no availability for the people who missed out between March and August to be able to book a room in there. So Disney will have to figure out how to manage those people so they can get them in at a different time if they want to, allowing people who have a reservation who want to change it to be able to modify it a little bit. And then also, I think what they'll probably do, this is just my guess, they will probably figure out a way to get people to stay in a deluxe resort as opposed to one of the vacation club properties 
for a set amount of points. So instead of using, you know, 100 points, maybe it costs you 70 points to stay in a, you know, in, a, in one of the resorts. So you stay there instead and you, you have a different experience, but you still get to come. So that way they can make sure that they keep the contractual part of what they're doing uh, in play and not have to worry about it, but make sure that they're uh, changing sort of the nature of the way uh, they, they use the points. And that would mean they want fewer people that are locals and pass holders and so forth to come in because they're going to have to use space for these folks, right, that have, that have already essentially paid for something. And uh, so they're going to have to figure out how to make that work. So it's, it's a real conundrum, and I know they have to figure this out. If they didn't have the Vacation Club properties, it wouldn't be such an issue. But because they already have them and they have contracts with these people and they're paying something every year, and if they can't use it for some period of time, it's a problem, right? So I can understand why they'd be upset. So that's, uh, that's another thing that's, that's underlying the concern. Now, as far as other things that, that Disney will probably do, they talked about um, the potential for temperature checks, both for guests and cast members coming in. Um, they were talking about, they were looking at one of the other companies had some, it wasn't Disney, it was somebody else, I can't remember who now, but who was doing uh, blood tests of uh, people as they were moving along. And it was just a finger prick and they were doing a blood test to have a much quicker result. Uh, so they, you know, they've kind of talked about that. I don't think that's ever come out publicly um, in anything Disney has said, but it's, you know, it's been in the back of mind that they're watching what everybody else is doing to see what everybody else is doing and making decisions around that. Uh, as far as like food, ser- another thing about food service that I was thinking about, um, as far as like buffets, I think the buffets will probably go the way of the dinosaur to a large degree. You won't be able to just walk up, fill your plate with food and then go back and sit down. I think if they do leave a buffet, you'll have glass between you and the food and someone on the inside will be able to scoop it out for you and serve it to you um, rather than you getting it yourself because that's another high contact point that they want to eliminate. So those kinds of things will continue to change. So in a way, our world has just changed, right? Because you can't just go to the Disney parks, show up, go to a buffet, hang out, do whatever. You're going to have to have, everything's going to have to be reserved. I don't think there's going to be any way you could basically just walk up to anything in the short term and uh, be involved in anything. You're going to have to play the game of uh, paying attention and using the app and getting ahead of it before you even will be allowed in for the next little while, at least until uh, they come up with some sort of a... uh, a vaccine for it. So this is an interesting problem that I think they're going to have to figure out. And I don't know how they're going to figure it out or what they're going to do, but I guess, they, you know, they'll, they'll figure it out along the way. That's the whole point. It's like they're just going to have to fly by the seat of their pants until they get there. Now, it's interesting. The city of Orlando had said they put together a, 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 a committee to look at reopening the city and the community. And they put Disney at the head of it, at the head of the table, because whatever Disney decides is going to help them decide what they're going to do. So I find that kind of interesting. They'll make a decision about what they're going to do uh, based around that. Over in California, the governor has already said he doesn't expect any big gatherings of people until at least mid-August. So that means that effectively Disneyland is closed until then. I don't think there's any doubt and I don't think there's any way they can get around that. I think that's going to have to stay closed until then. That's just the nature of the beast. So unfortunately, uh, that's why I say these may be on different timelines because Disneyland may wind up doing things a little bit differently because they have a longer timeline. But they may, Disney Company may just decide, you know what, we're going to follow the same for both. doesn't matter because it's a, it's, it's a nationwide thing. Let's make sure that we're doing the right things by our guests and our cast members. The one thing Disney doesn't want to do is have an incident where something bad happens and it affects them financially. Yes, they want to keep guests and cast members safe and happy, but more importantly, it's about the bottom line. They're already bleeding money. 
they got to be careful what they do so they don't lose more money. So just something to consider when you think about the big picture for Disney and uh, all of the things that they're doing. It's really kind of interesting at this point. I don't really know what's going to happen. I can't, it's just so odd and so weird. And you look at it all and you go, my goodness, there's so many things happening and there's no easy answers here. There are many answers. Some of them are going to be completely wrong. Some of them are going to be varying degrees of right, but I don't know what the right answer is. I, I certainly don't know, and I don't want to be the one that makes that decision. I'm just sitting here looking at it and going, it's amazing to me that we're in this position where we have to wait for things to, to play out and decide what's going to happen with you know, what we're doing with our lives. Now, as far as... So I, I think that kind of sums up everything that's happening in the Disney space at this point. There's a lot of... Um, things that are happening every day there's something new that comes out you hear one new piece of information one new little thing that comes out and you go okay you kind of follow that away and it just kind of builds up to something you know disney may wind up handing out face masks to everybody who comes in maybe that's the answer i don't know they don't know either you know that's that's one of the things that happened i know disney was was interested in this one universal actually put out a survey that they sent to many guests of their guests and said hey would you be willing to accept this or would how would you feel about that and they had some specific questions. And I'm sure Disney will look at those results too and what comes back to try to determine, you know, they look at the questions too and they try to figure out what people are saying about it on social media so they can decide what, whether, whether any of those decisions would be good for them too. And I'm sure the theme park industry is all working together at one level to try and decide when the right time is to reopen. They all look at each other. They're all in that same business and they want to make sure that they're all being safe and practical about what they're doing. So... It'll be really interesting to see what they do. I mean, I just find this like wild and crazy and just, I, you know, I don't know what to take away from it. You know, so we just roll through the days and the weeks and we keep going here. And uh, that's the way this works out. It's kind of, kind of amazing to me that this is the time we live in, but this is the time we live in. And I guess, as I said early on in this, in this podcast, this is the time of change. This is the time of the next step for us. You know, things have been the same for the last, since basically World War II, We've had this, this growth and we've gotten to this point. Now it's time for the next change. There's been things that have happened along the way that have impacted us, but now it's time for the next evolutionary step, whatever that is, uh, for us to be a little different as a nation than we were a couple of years ago. I think we will continue to evolve. The amazing thing about us is as, as humans, we adapt and we, we progress and we do things and we, we learn more. So all of those things are really good. And I think we'll, we'll get a lot out of this. We'll come out of this overall, I think, stronger but how we react to Disney and what Disney is able to do, who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. So if you live in a region where they have uh, relaxed the restrictions on you know, movement and so forth, please just be, use reasonable sense. Just go out there and do the things you need to do. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to work, but just be reasonable in the things you do. And remember, there are some people, particularly people with pre-existing conditions, especially with their um, respiratory systems, and older people, who are more susceptible to this virus and uh, or die at a higher rate than everyone else. So please be conscientious of that as you go out and use good judgment and exercise, you know, sm being smart and doing the right things when you go out and you do things. And especially if you have older parents or older relatives, be aware of that and, you know, try and help them so they don't have to go out as much and, you know, do things so you're not exposing them to, to things. You want to try and protect as much as you can. That's why schools are remaining closed around the country. That's why a lot of things are happening. We want to make sure that we're doing some relatively good things and being smart about things uh, in, in the future. 
So as I said, nothing else this week. I just wanted to share this with you and kind of talk about what was going on in the uh, Walt Disney Company and some of the things that are interesting. I don't know what the answer is going to be. I'm just fascinated by the whole story at this point. So that is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 